From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, September 1st. Utah Governor Spencer Cox has pledged to accept refugees fleeing Afghanistan. While the number of evacuees that may come to Utah still is uncertain, our partners at UPR report on the governor's recent visit to a refugee and immigrant center where he discussed the issue. Manuel Haron has more. During a visit to Cache County on Monday, Governor Spencer Cox held a press conference at the Cache Refugee and Immigrant Center. Cox says, although both of the estate's refugee resettlement agencies are in Salt Lake, refugees who come to Utah often don't stay in one place. So we're here at Crick, and they're doing an incredible job working with refugees in this area, providing them services, helping them understand uh, language and financial literacy, and uh, just making sure they have everything that they need to to survive and and thrive. Uh, They're doing a great job, but they need more resources, more donations, and more help. According to Governor Cox, Utah is one of the places in the U.S. that is more welcoming to refugees. As, as I've talked to other governors, even those that are that support refugees coming, everybody wants them to come, but maybe not in their backyard. And, and here it's the exact opposite. They, they want them in their neighborhoods, they, even in their homes, um, opening up space for, for people who are, are seeking a better life. As the United States evacuation of Afghanistan has come to a close, many of the Afghan refugees who love the country are expected to be settled in states across the U.S., including Utah. We're having constant communication with the administration, trying to learn. We we understand we'll get a, just a, a small amount at the beginning, and that will probably increase over time as uh, as more vetting is done and as, as more refugees are, are resettled into the United States. So we don't have a number right now, but we expect it will start out small and grow over time. With Utah Public Radio, I am Manuel Hiron. That piece comes from our partners at UPR. The book, Billionaire Wilderness, The Ultra-Wealthy and the Remaking of the American West, came out in March 2020. Unfortunate timing for a book tour. However, author and Yale University professor Justin Farrell has been back on the road across the Mountain West this summer to talk about what he learned from five years of studying the ultra-wealthy of Teton County, Wyoming. Kyle Mackey of KHOL Jackson was at a recent book lecture speaking with local residents and the author about mind-boggling wealth and its impact on communities throughout the Mountain West. With camping chairs and a few picnics in tow, a multi-generational crowd started arriving early for Justin Farrell's talk at the Center for the Arts Outdoor Amphitheater all curious to hear more about his research on the ultra-wealthy of Teton County. Um, I, we've, we both grew up here and have lived here our whole lives, and we've watched the valley at least change from when we were young to now. And Well, I've been coming out here for 50 years, and it's so I've witnessed most of the changes that have occurred in Jackson Hole. And uh, I thought the kid probably did a good job of researching his book, and it would be interesting to hear his interviews. That first voice is Hannah Wakeman, a 23-year-old Jackson native. Wakeman came to the talk with her friend Gwen Dawson, who's 22. It's kind of become like pretty unattainable to live here like because of the prices of everything. Um, I feel very lucky to be able to come home to like my parents' house and everything, but it doesn't it's not looking super hopeful for my own future here. Do you think that the ultra wealthy just have too much money? Yeah. Nobody needs a billion dollars, guys. <laughs> yes. I would agree. A billion dollars is too much money. 
Courtney Vanderweyer also grew up in Wyoming, but now lives in Cambridge, England. She says there's always been wealth in Teton County, and for good reason. There's a lot to answer for Wyoming income tax, lack of income tax, and that's why a lot of them are here. And I don't have a negative attitude towards them because I think most people, a lot of people would do the same. Um, I think in terms of an impact, they make the cost of living so high that it's there are certain services that are going to be... Because of technology and the dot-com stuff, we now have billionaires where we only had multimillionaires. But I don't, I don't know that they're harmful. I, I don't know many of them. They don't bother me. Larry Morgan is a part-time Jackson resident who built his house here 30 years ago. He says major changes to the valley have always been inevitable. Jackson's, you know, it's already gone. It's been gone for a long time, so people should just get used to it. It's not going to be a charming little mountain town anymore with, you know, local stores. So the valley will continue to fill in, and the character of Jackson will change. So... As much as some locals might not want to hear it, Morgan's take is similar to some of the conclusions that social scientist, Yale professor, and native Wyomingite Justin Farrell came to over the course of researching and writing Billionaire Wilderness. From what I'm seeing, it's just this train that's kind of going along the tracks and it's really tough to slow down. So I wondered if you could talk about some of the policy reforms that you discuss in the book and some kind of maybe practical takeaways that folks might um, want to grasp onto if they're feeling depressed about what you have written. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, at the end of the book, I have this epilogue and it was really difficult to write because things are changing so quickly. And so I shied away actually of, of recommending specific policies. And a lot of times academics are not very good at that. Um, so I have these broad recommendations and it starts with first requiring more from the ultra wealthy. And that can happen in lots of different ways. Um, through, you know, attacks on luxury real estate transfers. Um, at the state level, I talk about Wyoming's lack of an income tax. I talk about lack of a corporate tax. And so there's some really easy remedies on paper. But the state of Wyoming is not instituting an income tax anytime soon. Then I have, you know, as a sociologist, I'm really interested in studying community and what makes a community. And this is a little more mushy and rather than just saying, you know, institute this policy or the, the town council should do this or here's how you fix the housing crisis, which is, <laughs> let's not even get into that. Um, but what type of community do you want to be? Who belongs in the community? What gives a community character? And starting at that broad level with those types of questions and then moving from there with the policy Right. Well, clearly the the issues, some of the issues you just mentioned, like housing crises and this growing gap between the ultra wealthy and working poor residents, you know, the squeeze on the middle class, that's not just a Jackson problem. We know that this is a Bozeman problem and a Boise problem and, you know, even a Denver and like Seattle problem to, to some extent. Can you um, talk more regionally about your research and the new Western Research Center that you're the director of at Yale? Yeah, so I, I direct this um, lab that we call Lab for Western Lands and People. And it's it's to conduct research and high-quality research, social science, natural science, a blend of the two, um, humanities, and to make room for all of that and to, to approach some of these questions that I, I was just talking about in terms of what makes a community, what makes the West special, what makes these rural places special, 
um, how does a place like Jackson relate to a place like Rock Springs or something like that? Just And we're essentially instituting a program at Yale via myself and my students to really look at some of these topics and, and really focusing on rural gentrification, focusing on the impact of that, for example, on ecological health and, and really taking a holistic approach. Billionaire Wilderness was published, I believe, in March 2020, right, as the world changed and we were thrown into the coronavirus pandemic. So, you know, how has the pandemic impacted the trends and the status quo that you wrote about? Yeah, as far as the pandemic, I mean, it's thrown gasoline on a on a fire that was, as I argue in the book, that's the whole topic um, that was already burning. And it's almost like this turbocharger for everything. And it's honestly, um, I, I knew we were on that trajectory in places like here, um, all around Colorado, Utah, Idaho now, some parts of Montana. But I didn't, I think I underestimated the impact it would have and the way that the Zoom boom, Zoom towns or whatever you want to call it, just exploded. Places like Bozeman where you see, you know, a doubling of a, the price of a single family home. Um, places like here who, you know, people are buying homes in Colorado too, you know, $10, $15 million homes without ever seeing them. I, moving forward, wonder obviously what this is going to look like in a couple of years. Are those homes going to remain vacant? You know, we already see in some areas, some of these homes are in towns, like 70% of homes are vacant. Meanwhile, there's a housing crisis. And so what is that going to look like? And I don't, I don't think we know quite yet, but that's a, a really important question and one that I'm going to be pursuing. Okay, great. Well, Justin Farrell, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us at KHOL. Great. Thanks so much. That piece comes from our partners at KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, September 1st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.